For those of you who don't know me, my name is Esther. Um, I'm one of the uh, leaders here at Ebby Church. Um, and so today is week two of our series looking um, at Elijah. Um, Elijah is a guy that we find in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And last week we looked at Elijah the mountain. And today we're taking on the roller coaster. Um, and when Stu spoke last week, he mentioned this verse, and it's from James, which is in the New Testament part of the Bible. So, um, yeah, written thousands of years after Elijah. Um, and this is uh, James 5.17. says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Like, that sounds pretty obvious, doesn't it? Like, of course he's a human being. Um, but actually, I think it's really important to hear this. Uh, because when we read about characters in the Bible, we often put them on um, like a crazy high uh, pedestal. We turn them into untouchable, perfect, superhumans. Um, and their stories can become like a fairy tale or a Marvel film. So keep this in mind um, for the rest of this morning. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And we're going to do a little bit of a recap, a bit of a previously in Elijah. So Elijah's story begins in 1 Kings 17. Um, Elijah is a prophet. So God told him stuff. Um, and Elijah passed that on to relevant people or acted upon those words himself. And he starts by telling King Ahab that there will be no rain for years until he says otherwise. Um, and then, uh, so he hid in, for a year in the back end of a desert and was fed by birds. Seriously, I'm not making this up. And then he went to stay with a widow. Um, he worked a miracle, so there was enough flour and oil um, so they could all eat bread. Um, the widow's son died. Uh, Elijah prayed. He stretched himself out over the boy three times and the boy came back to life. And then we come to what Stu talked about last week. Um, Elijah took on the royally appointed prophets, prophets at Mount Carmel. He taunted them and he called down fire from heaven. Um, and Elijah prays in verse 37 of chapter 18. He says, answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God. Which sounds great, doesn't it? And pretty much on point. Um, but then in verse 40... We read that Elijah commanded that the prophets, all 850 or so of them, are slaughtered. And that's uncomfortable reading, if we're honest, isn't it? And some of that, it might sound like the stuff of movies, but as we'll see uh, today, uh, Elijah experienced the roller coaster of life, the highs and the lows and everything in between, just like us. Like Elijah was an awesome man of God, but he was flawed, he was broken, and he was conflicted. He had amazing faith, and he saw unbelievable miracles, and he was also full of questions, doubts, and at times questioned living itself. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Because God only uses flawed humans, apart from Jesus, of course. Um, but apart from that, he only uses flawed human beings, which is all of us here. And wh wherever we're at on the roller coaster of our lives, God loves us totally. And he sat strapped in right there next to us, 
Like that is the deal. So we're going to read the next part of Elijah's story. Um, It's 1 Kings 18, and we're going to go from verse uh, 41 and into chapter 19 up to the first bit of verse 3. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, if you've got one, there are some at the back. If you haven't, um, on your phone, uh, the words will also appear on the screen behind me. So this is from verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Elijah said, go back. There is nothing there, he said. Elijah said, go back. There is nothing there, he said. Elijah said, go back. There is nothing there, he said. Elijah said, go back. There's nothing there, he said. Elijah said, go back. Now there's nothing there, he said. Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Um, I'm just going to pray. Father God, yeah, thank you for your words. Will you, will you speak to us through it this morning? Uh, Jesus, will you point us to you? Holy Spirit, will you, will you fill this place? Amen. So, here's where we're going with this. Um, We're going to use this part of Elijah's story to have a look and think about four things. Um, And Stu mentioned some of these last week. Um, The first one, we're going to look at God's voice, perseverance, our voice, and fear. So that is where we're heading. Are you ready? Great. Um, So first of all, God's voice. Um, What I want to ask you all now is, do you think God speaks today? And if you do, how does that happen? Um, What does that look or sound like? How often does this happen? Uh, Or maybe you think, "Mm, yeah, he does in theory. Like you kind of believe it, but the reality is you haven't seen or heard anything from God for a while. And maybe you don't think that God speaks today. It's just a kind of, you know, back in the day, back in the Bible kind of thing, and that God's not really into what, hap- what happens in your life today. Um, I've been a Christian for a bit of time now, and I am 100% convinced that God speaks to us today. Like He loves us, 
He wants a relationship with us, and that involves communication. But I have felt and feel all those doubts and questions and everything else in between as to whether God does actually speak. Because it's tricky, isn't it? There are, there are no rules. Um, God isn't really keen on being put into a box or forced into a nice, neat formula. So we can't even look at Elijah's story and go, well, God said this, Elijah did that, then God did this, then Elijah saw that. So if I just replicate that in my own life, then everything is going to go swimmingly. Like The Bible and our relationship with God is far deeper and more complex than that. And while that might be painful and frustrating at times, it's also a really good thing. And so God actually speaks to Elijah about the end of this drought right back at the start of chapter 18. Um, It says in verse 1, After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. God speaks, but the rain doesn't start just like that. As we read in verse 41, a bit later on, And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Elijah had done what God asked, but it seems like the job wasn't finished. There was still no rain. Like sometimes when God speaks to us, we, we see the outworking of that immediately, which, which is great. Like That's the dream, isn't it? God speaks, it happens, job done. But sometimes, and it might just be me, but it feels like that for 95, 99% of the time, like there's a gap. Like God speaks... And then there's nothing, a pause. And that's a confusing and often painful space to live in. In uh, 2008, which is a worryingly long amount of time ago, um, I was doing a gap year kind of thing um, here at Ebby. And I was in a, in a meeting at another church with a couple of the leaders there. And I was, uh, I was there just to observe Um, the meeting wasn't particularly inspiring or exciting, but I heard God say to me, as clear as I've ever heard him speak, that working for church in some form was what he wanted me to be doing. And I was like, great, I'm in, like, let's do it. And I expected that to happen straight away because God had spoken. So that's the deal, isn't it? But it didn't. Um, I got another job that I thought was just for, the, for a summer and ended up being there 18 months later and felt like that was just a massive waste of my time. Um, I spent nine months living in Africa, which is a whole other story. Um, and all this time I was hurt, I was confused, and to be honest, I was quite hacked off with God. And you might think, well, you know, that's great, Esther, because your story has has a happy ending. You're doing that thing right now that God spoke about. But 
we'll see as we keep going in Elijah's story, um, this week and next week probably in particular, that even when God speaks and that thing happens, it's not automatically easy or plain sailing. Like life is messy. Like God is in amongst it all, but it's still messy. And I love Elijah's response. Like he tells King Ahab that he hears rain. He believes it's coming, but he can't actually see it or feel it on his skin. So he gets on his knees and prays. Like that's good stuff right there for us. Like I wish I was more like Elijah, that my default response to the gap, to the space and silence of God was to get on my knees. Like it's not. It takes me quite a long time to work that out and get there, if I'm honest. Um, And the thing is, if it's not your default response either, like don't beat yourself up and write yourself off, but do believe that things can be different. Like God wants to have a relationship with us, to be communicating with us, not just to us, but with us. And any relationship grows and develops over time. Any relationship experiences highs and lows, distance and closeness, doubts and certainty. And the same is true, I think, with us and God. But we need to keep on to pray, to get on our knees, especially when things are tough. And not because that's how we earn an answer or a response from God. Just because most of the time, this is the best thing to do and the best place to be. All in, totally dependent on him. So that kind of leads us quite nicely to um, perseverance. And fun fact, you might question the use of the word fun when I tell you, but so apparently um, the top of Mount Carmel is approximately 39 by 8 kilometres. I know, I told you it was fun. And I have no concept of what distances actually mean. I'm useless at it. So um, after consulting Google Maps, um, 39 kilometres is roughly the distance from here to Bath. Um, It would take you about four or five hours to walk it via the motorway. Don't do that. Um, And eight kilometres is roughly the distance from here to the Mall. So around a one or two hour walk. And we don't know where Elijah is on the top of Mount Carmel. We don't know where he was praying, how far away he was from the sea. But I kind of find it helpful to have a bit of a sense of the scale of what we're thinking about. So when we, when we think about the seven times of Elijah's servant going to and from, to and from, like just kind of a bit of a sense of the scale, I think is kind of helpful. Because seven times Elijah said, go back. And I wish we could see Elijah's face, like his, his body language and hear the tone of his voice each of these seven times. Like maybe he stayed bent over with his face between his knees. Maybe his voice stayed strong every time he told his servant to go back. And I don't know, but remember, Elijah is a human just like us. So maybe there, was, maybe there was a groan as his chosen position got a little bit uncomfortable. 
Maybe his voice cracked at the fourth or fifth time of asking. And like when I read those verses at the start, I purposely read Elijah's go back seven actual times. And I don't, I, I don't know how you felt in that. Like, did it feel a little bit painful, a bit long and drawn out? Like, did you get a bit impatient? Because I did. Um, and was a little bit concerned I wasn't counting the number of times right, but anyway. <laughs> but um, I was just like willing myself to get to the end so I could crack on with the rainy bit. And the definition of perseverance is to keep on going in spite of delay, difficulty or opposition. And Elijah does this well here, doesn't he? I'm guessing he didn't know how many times he was going to have to ask his servant to go back and search for that rain cloud. But however he felt in that time, he kept on going. He trusted God and what he'd promised. And Elijah also had confidence in the part he'd been asked to play. So he kept on. Um, Jesus tells a story in Luke 18 about a persistent widow and actually, when I saw Jean on Friday, to be honest, she pretty much preached this talk at me. Um, but yeah, she talked about the persistent widow and how she thought that God was probably getting a little bit fed up of her, like banging on his door. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, but yeah, Jesus tells a story about a persistent widow. And Luke, the guy who wrote the book, he says that Jesus told us this story to show them and to show us that they should always pray and not give up. And I think Jesus gets that there are going to be times and situations in our lives where we're going to have to throw ourselves at him to pray, to dig deep and hang on. And Jesus is encouraging us to do that and reminding us that he's right there on his knees with us. And there are no easy answers or shortcuts, I'm afraid. Like, and I don't want to throw out a hollow-sounding platitude to try and make you feel better, especially if you're in amongst this right now. Because persevering is hard. And even when you know that God has spoken, even when you know that he's right there with you, and even when you have a little bit of an inkling that the rain might be coming. It's hard, isn't it? And that's why like, we can't do this on our own like, by like, screwing up our eyes and clenching our fists and just trying hard. Like, we need Jesus and we need each other. Like, as much as Jesus gets on his knees with us, we need to be a church that does that with each other. And one of the things that I want to pray for, pray for us and pray for each other is a filling of Holy Spirit-fueled perseverance and, and for breakthrough where, where we need that. And we'll have some space um, to do that together if you want to respond to that at the end. And so... Let's uh, have a look at the third thing. We're going to look at our voice in this. And Elijah is a guy who used his voice. 
Like he was a prophet, so I guess that was kind of part of the deal. But he still had a choice in that. Like when God asked him to go and speak to King Ahab, who incidentally is described in 1 Kings 16.30 as someone who did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. So when God asked, Elijah could have, and totally understandably, he said, ah, mm, do you know what? No, I, I don't think so. No, I don't like the sound of that. Like, can I do something else? But, you know, we're always given a choice. And I love that in this story, we, we see a bit of the kind of relationship that God offers and wants with us. Like God was more than capable of doing all of this without Elijah. He could have sorted the weather, spoken to the king, done it all, no bother. But like God's not like that, is he? And this is something that continues to baffle and surprise me, that God wants to do this with us. He wants to use our voice to speak his words, to use every part of us, and every one of us to bring his good stuff here on earth as it is in heaven. And Elijah is up for that. He, he says yes to God. And my question for, to all of us, for me too, is are we up for that too? Because as Jesus followers, I think we're all given opportunities to do an Elijah and to speak prophetically into dry places and to call out the sound of heavy rain. And maybe that sounds a little bit weird and heavy, but stick with me. Like God asks us to speak into the big issues, to make a stand for justice, equality, how we care for our planet. And he asks us to defend and speak for those who struggle for whatever reason to be heard. And God also asks us to do this on a more personal level, to call out the good stuff and the God stuff in the people and places we do life. On our streets, at school, where we work, in the pub, in our church, basically whenever we spend time with any other person. And when you think about it, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Well, like maybe a little bit terrifying, but... Exciting and terrifying is a good mix, and God's usually in that. Um, But I really believe this is what God wants for us as his church, like this church, but his church generally. Like to use our voice, to be brave, to say yes to whatever God might be inviting us to, wherever that is. And we'll maybe do a bit of praying about that at the end as well. And so when... um, when you do this speaking thing, um, there's a temptation that you, or a kind of a feeling that you should always end on a, on a high note, on, you know, something positive. So I was a little bit hesitant in finishing this morning with fear. But, like, this is real life, isn't it? Like, the story doesn't always have a nice and neatly sewn up happy ending. So we're going to roll with it. Elijah, he returned to Jezreel full of optimism. God had showed up. It was raining. There was hope for a different and better future for Israel. 
But instead of a celebration party, he was greeted by an attack on his identity and a murderous promise. You might be Elijah. You might think your God is the real God, but I'm the queen. I'm Jezebel, and I'm going to kill you. And so, 1 Kings 19 verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Elijah's been through it a bit, hasn't he? And this isn't the end of his story either. Like, there's been ups and downs, and he's hit what has looked like this high and a job well done. Then there comes this unexpected curveball. Um, I'm I'm not going to criticise Elijah here. Like, sure, you know, there are things he could have done, God's promises he could have hold, hold on to, prayers that he could have prayed, but... He's just a person trying to follow his God. And the reality is, sometimes that gets a bit much. And I got to that point last year. My, my mental health was a mess, and I was burnt out, and I was empty. And my pride took a massive hit as I had to take my pride in a billion and one other things, to be honest, took a massive hit as I had to um, take some time away from leading here at Ebby. And I had some counselling, I took some medication, and I tried to keep trusting that God still loved me, no matter what. And it was pretty grim at times, I'm not going to lie. And just because I'm stood here now, like, don't be fooled into thinking I'm fixed and sorted. I'm not. But we've got to remember, God only uses flawed, broken people. And that's a good thing. And we've got to remember that for ourselves, individually. God only uses flawed and broken people. That includes me. And we've got to remember it, and we've got to say it to each other as well, to remind each other, encourage each other. Like, look around and say, it's all right. God only uses flawed and broken people, and that's all of us here. And I think if we're honest, we've all expected times when fear hits, when we just want to run away. And here's the thing, though. Wherever we run to, whatever we feel, whatever is going on for us, God is still there. He's still our Father We're still his kids. He still loves us. He still wants to do stuff in us and through us. Even when we want to run and even when we run. And we're going to see a bit more of that next week um, as we look at the the next bit in Elijah's story. We're going to take on um, the wilderness. And we're going to have... a bit of time now to absorb, um, ask God what he's saying. Um, and we'll take a bit of time to pray about a few things as well. But yeah, just want to encourage all of us now. Yeah, just like take a moment. And maybe there's something in all of that that is like hitting you hard, that has touched something. Um, that you want to respond to. But yeah, we'll, just, we'll take a few minutes now. Just open your hands. 
literally or metaphorically, and say, right, God, what, what are you saying to me now? Like, what, what do I need to hear? What are you wanting to do in me and through me right now? So, yeah, let's, let's just take a couple of minutes. <laughs> 